This is the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to John. And Jesus showed himself again to the disciples by the Sea of Tiberias. And he showed himself in this way. Gathered there together were Simon Peter, Thomas, Thomas called the twin, Nathaniel of Cana in Galilee, and the sons of Zebedee, and two others of his disciples. And Simon Peter said to them, I'm going fishing. And they said to him, well, we'll go with you. And they went out and got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. Just after daybreak, Jesus stood on the beach, but the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. And Jesus said to them, children, have you no fish? And they answered, no. And he said to them, cast the net to the right side of the boat and you'll find some. And so they cast it. And now they were not able to haul it in because there were so many fish. And that disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, it's the Lord. And when Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on some clothes for he was naked and jumped into the sea. But the other disciples came in the boat dragging the net full of fish for they were not far from the land, about a hundred yards off. And when they had gotten ashore, they saw a charcoal fire there with fish on it and bread. And Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish that you've just caught. And so Simon Peter went aboard and hauled the net ashore full of large fish, 153 of them. And though there were so many, the net was not torn. And Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. Now none of the disciples dared to ask him, who are you? Because they knew it was the Lord. And Jesus came and took the bread and gave it to them and did the same with the fish. This was now the third time that Jesus appeared to the disciples after he was raised from the dead. And when they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? And he said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And Jesus said to him, Feed my lambs. A second time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And he said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And Jesus said to him, Tend my sheep. He said to him the third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? But Peter felt hurt because he had said it the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. And Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. Very truly, I tell you, when you were younger, Peter, you used to fasten your own belt and go wherever you wished. But when you grow old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will fasten a belt around you and take you where you do not wish to go. He said this to indicate the kind of death by which he would glorify God. And after this, Jesus said to him, follow me. The Gospel of the Lord. And so, Heavenly Father, as we come to your word, we 
Pray that we would hear not just the words of men, but the words of God. And this we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Please be seated. I want to take that as my text this morning from John's Gospel, chapter 21. If you're making use of the Pew Bible, you can find that text on page 1078. John's Gospel, chapter 21, and beginning at verse 1. And this morning I want to talk on this subject, that the remedy for failure is love. That the remedy for failure is love. Christ's love for us and our love for Christ. Anyway, that is certainly how it seemed to work out for Peter. Now John says in our text that after two previous appearances, one on the evening, that on the very day that Jesus rose from the dead, and then again he appeared a week later. You remember that the first time round Thomas wasn't there, and the second time round he was. That after those two previous appearances, verse 1, Jesus revealed himself again to the disciples, and this time on the Sea of Tiberias. Uh, Tiberius was the Roman emperor at that time, and it was, the Romans were certainly in the area. Uh, they were governing via martial law, and they called what we know as the Sea of Galilee, they called it the Sea of Tiberias. But he revealed himself again to the disciples by the Sea of Tiberias, and John says that, that Jesus revealed himself in this way. He says that Simon Peter... And Thomas, called the twin, or in the Greek, Didymus, from which we get the word dittos, it means the same thing again. And Nathaniel of Cana in Galilee, where Jesus worked his first miracle when he made the water into wine. And the sons of Zebedee, that would be James and John, and two other disciples that aren't named, were together. And John says in verse 3 that Simon Peter said to the other disciples, I'm going fishing. <laughs> he was a commercial fisherman. And not clear exactly what's going to happen next. Jesus had been tortured. He died and he had risen. And they saw him in Jerusalem and now they're in the Galilee. He says, I'm going fishing. And they said to them, well, we'll go with you. And so they went out, John says, and they got into the boat. But that night they caught nothing. Now, as I just said, Peter, James, and John were commercial fishermen. And it was common at the time to fish at night so that they could sell their fish fresh on the beach or in the market the next morning. And John says that just as day was breaking, in fact, I've been, on the, I've been in Tiberias. There's a town called Tiberias. It's just on the west, west side of the Sea of Galilee. And I've watched, actually, the sun come up over those eastern mountains and shine on the lake. Just as day was breaking, Jesus stood on the shore and yet the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. And John says, verse 5, And Jesus said to them, Children, do you have any fish? Or lads, <laughs> do you have any fish? And they answered, No, we don't have any fish. And Jesus said to them, Cast the net on the right side of the boat, and you'll find some. And so they did. They cast the net on the right side of the boat, and now they were not able to haul in 
this great quantity of fish. There might have been something on their hard drive that, you know, we would we might say to somebody that was shouting to us on the, on the, from the shore, and if we were professional, professionals at what we were doing, in this case, uh, catching fish, we might have said, <laughs> yeah, thanks, <laughs> and done nothing. But they had had an experience before, and even though they weren't putting the two and two together, that uh, this person who I can hear but maybe I can't see so well, uh, they don't know that it's Jesus. They uh, maybe just sort of uh, out of uh, um, intuition went ahead and said, yeah, okay, well, let's, you know, what, what, why not? Let's try that. Uh, indeed, um, in Luke chapter 5, we read in beginning at verse 4, it says, and when Jesus had finished speaking, this was before his passion and before his death, certainly before his resurrection. When Jesus had finished speaking there in the Galilee and near the lake, he said to Simon, Put out into the deep and, and let down your nets for a catch. And Simon answered, Master, we toiled all night and took nothing. <laughs> but, you know, at your word, you're the master. Uh, we'll let down the nets. Verse 6, And when they had done this, they enclosed a large number of fish, and their nets were breaking. And they signaled to their partners in the other boats to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats as they began to sink. And then John says in our text in verse 7 that the disciples whom, the disciple whom Jesus loved, and that's code language for John who wrote this gospel, he, after seeing this, he said to Peter, it's the Lord. It's the Lord, Peter. And verse 7, and, and when Peter, Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his outer garment, for he was stripped for work, and he threw himself into the sea, almost without really thinking much about it, just uh, more a, a reaction than a response. And why did he do it? Because <laughs> it was Jesus on the shore. And Peter loved him. Seemingly he couldn't wait to be with him. And then John says in verse 8, And the other disciples came in the boat, dragging the net full of fish, for they were not far from the land, about a hundred yards off. And John says in verse 9, And when they got on the land, that they, they saw there, interestingly enough, a, a charcoal fire burning, and fish on it, and bread. And Jesus said to them, bring some of those fish that you just caught. And so Simon Peter went aboard and hauled a net ashore full of large fish, 153. <laughs> they were commercial fishermen. John was, who's telling this story, and his brother James and Peter. They were used to. This is a, this is a business that, that, that without thinking, they count how many fish. <laughs> are involved. And John says, and although there were so many in this net, it wasn't torn. Interestingly enough, you know, when this happened before, the nets were tearing, and they had to call their friends. And then they filled both boats full of fish, and then the, and then the boats began to sink. And so John, the commercial fisherman, he, he was expecting that the nets would break. Why weren't they breaking? 
I don't know. And John doesn't say, but he mentions it. John says in verse 12, and Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. Now that might sound a strange thing to Americans, people living in the West, uh, fish for breakfast. You know, when, I, when we were in Israel back in 2014, they didn't serve a buffet breakfast that didn't include fish. So I had, and I like fish, so I had herring and granola and bagels and all kinds of things. In fact, we ate very, very well when we were on tour in Israel. But it included the fish. And Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. And John says uh, further, and, uh, but, but none of the disciples dared to ask Jesus, who are you? For they knew that it was the Lord. That's a very, very interesting statement. This is a suggestive relative to the nature of the resurrection body. Indeed, the resurrection body at the same time apparently is both different and the same as the body is before it dies and is resurrected, which seems to be Jesus' experience. In fact, when you read the post-resurrection experiences, oftentimes people aren't recognizing him. Mary Magdalene at the tomb, when she was face-to-face -face with him, didn't recognize him because there was something about him that she wasn't expecting, and that threw her off, and she thought that he was someone else. Or this, the disciples on the road to Emmaus. In fact, they walked a long, long time, and didn't in, even in the house, until he broke the bread, <laughs> didn't recognize him. And so the resurrection body is both different and the same, as the same at, the, at the same time, which was Jesus' experience and apparently will be our experience as well if we belong to Christ. In fact, this is one of the promises that we have in the New Testament. In fact, uh, in Philippians chapter 3 and at verse 20, the Apostle Paul, writing from prison and facing very possible death, and so perhaps these things are in the forefront of his mind. You remember in chapter 1, he said to live as Christ and to die as gain. <laughs> but in chapter 3, in verse 20, he says, but our citizenship is in heaven. That's where our real roots are. From which we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 21, who will transform our lowly bodies to be like his glorious body, by the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself. And so he will change us like he was changed. Or 1 Corinthians 15, and beginning at verse 42, Paul writing to the believers at Corinth, and so it is with the resurrection of the dead. It is the body Sown perishable, uh, uh, is, what is sown is perishable, but what is raised is imperishable. <laughs> a thing that, that, that does not die. It is sown in dishonor, it's raised in glory. It's sown in weakness, it's raised in power. It's sown a natural body, it's raised a spiritual body. And I tell you this, brothers and sisters, Flesh and blood cannot, as it is now, cannot inherit the kingdom of God, 
nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep. We shall not all die. It could very well be that he comes when we're alive. <laughs> we shall not all sleep. We shall not all die, that is. But we shall all be changed, both the dead and the living, in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised imperishable, and we shall be changed. And Jesus, uh, uh, Paul saw the risen Christ. John saw the risen Christ. Peter saw the risen Christ. Nathaniel, Thomas, Andrew, Philip, Bartholomew, they all saw it. So when they wrote about these things, or when they were threatened that they should stop talking about these things, on pain of death, <laughs> they said, we can't keep silent about the things that we've seen and heard. We can't. We saw it. We touched him. He invited us to. <laughs> Thomas said, uh, no, come on, guys, what are you, mad? <laughs> but on that second appearance, Thomas was there. And Jesus said, touch my hands, Thomas. Don't be unbelieving, but believe. And Thomas said, my Lord and my God. And Jesus said, you believe because you've seen, Thomas. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet believe. And when Peter wrote his first letter, he said similar things to that community to which he was writing. He said, though you have not seen him, you love him, and you rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory. <laughs> Blessed are those who have not seen and yet believe. But back to our text, verse 13, and Jesus came and he took the bread and he gave it to the disciples there on the beach and also with the fish. And John says, verse 14, and this was now the third time that Jesus had revealed himself to the disciples after he was raised from the dead. And John says that when they had finished breakfast, they'd all eaten, and now they're just sitting around. That was good, Lord. <laughs> that was good. I didn't realize you were such a good cook. Verse 15, and when they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Peter, do you, do, you, do you love me more than these other guys? You know, that was something that Peter often seemed to be suggesting. In fact, he wasn't suggesting it. He oftentimes just said it straight out, that I'm better than the rest of them, Lord. <laughs> Prior to Jesus' passion and his death, in fact, in Mark 14, we have the record of it. Jesus said, or Peter said to Jesus, even if all these others <laughs> fall away because you're going to be persecuted, Lord, <laughs> I won't. <laughs> not me, Lord. You can count on me. You may not be able to count on them. I love you more, Lord. <laughs> and Jesus said to him, truly I tell you, Peter, this very night before the rooster crows twice, you will deny me one two, three times. Or in John chapter 13, beginning at verse 37, Peter said to Jesus, I will lay down my life for you, Lord. 
I will lay down my life for you. In verse 38, and Jesus answered, Will you lay down your life for me, Peter? Truly, truly, I say to you, the rooster will not crow till you have denied me three times. And so when they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than the... And Peter said to Jesus, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And Jesus said to Peter, Peter, feed my lamb. They're my lambs, Peter, but I'm going away. I want you to look after them. I want you to shepherd them. I'm the chief shepherd, but I want you to shepherd them in my physical absence. While I'm away, I want you to feed them because man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. I want you to feed them, Peter. And John says in verse 16, and Jesus said to Peter a second time, you see where we're going here, one, two, and Jesus said to Peter a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter said to Jesus, Yes, Lord, you know I love you. And Peter, uh, Jesus said to Peter, Tend my sheep. Pastor them. My sheep. I'm the good shepherd. I lay down my life for the sheep. Pastor them, Peter. And then John says that Jesus said to Peter the third time. Now, Three times is significant, isn't it? You were with him. You, you're one of Jesus' disciples, aren't you? No, I'm not. Well, you're one of Jesus' disciples. I saw you in the garden with him. You're one of his disciples, aren't you? No, I'm not. You're one of Jesus' disciples. You're from the Galilee, too. You're... Your accent gives you away. You're not from around here, are you? You're from the Galilee. You're with Jesus. I'm telling you, I swear by an oath that I don't know the man. Cock-a-doodle-doo. And Jesus said to Peter the third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And and John says that Peter was grieved. I bet he was. (laughs) That Peter was grieved when Jesus said to him the third time, Do you love me? And Peter said to Jesus, Lord, you know everything. Lord, you know the answers to all these questions you're asking me. You know everything. And my heartfelt response to your question is, I love you. I blew it. And I'm ashamed. I thought I could do it because I love you. But when I was faced with death and all that goes before it, I lost my nerve. But if you're going to ask me even a third time, do I love you? The answer, Lord, is yes. I love you. And Jesus said to Peter, 
feed my sheep. <laughs> it's interesting that Jesus doesn't judge Peter. In fact, he doesn't even mention it. There's just the hint. This one, two, three. In fact, Jesus doesn't judge Peter, but rather he commissions him. Peter's the last guy you would put in charge after what he did. But for Jesus, he's the first guy, apparently. Indeed, Christ's remedy for Peter's failure is love and forgiveness and a plan that will take Peter beyond his failure. Indeed, Jesus continues in verse 18. And what Jesus is saying is this. Peter, all those things you promised before, you will do. And you will succeed. And you will be my disciple. And you will follow in my way. The way of the cross. The way of life. And peace. Verse 18, truly, truly, I say to you, Peter, when you were young, you used to dress yourself and walk wherever you wanted. You were free. <laughs> but when you're old, you will stretch out your hand. And another will dress you because you won't be able to use your hands. And will carry you where you do not want to go. The place of execution. And John explains in verse 19. This Jesus said to show by what kind of death. Peter would glorify God. Crucifixion. In fact the tradition and it's a fairly early one. Certainly this is true that Peter was crucified in Rome. And a tradition that uh, we trace back just a little later was that he was crucified upside down. At his own request. He didn't feel worthy to be crucified in the same position that Jesus was crucified. And so he requested that they hang him upside down on it. And I wonder, you know, when that was happening, if he didn't say, Lord, I love you. I love you. In verse 17, and after saying this, Jesus said to Peter, follow me. Follow me, Peter. Follow me. If anyone would be my disciple, he must deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. And so Peter was crucified. Peter failed in the beginning, trusting in his own power, but in the end, filled with the Holy Spirit, Peter succeeded. He was faithful, faithful unto death. And in his life and in his death, God was glorified. 
And so how about you? Peter failed. And perhaps you have too. Sometimes I think I've got a PhD in failure. Because <laughs> we're just all broken. And we're just weak. The spirit is willing. That's what Jesus said to Peter. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. And so perhaps you have failed too. But Christ loves you. And he has a work for you to do, which is a work that you will do if you love him. And that's the answer. Because the remedy for failure is love. Amen? Let us pray. If there's hope for Peter, Lord, there's hope for any of us. The braggadocious, braggadocious Peter. You can count on me, Lord. <laughs> I'm not like these other guys. I'm better than them. And then in the hour of truth, he fails not once, not twice, three times. And as we read in the scriptures, and after the third time and the rooster crowed, he left and wept bitterly. I have to think, Lord, that notwithstanding him seeing the risen Christ and Jesus saying, as the Father has sent me, so I'm sending you, all of that, this is in the back of his mind. If it wasn't in the forefront of his mind, that I'm not worthy, I'm not worthy. I'm not worthy. And yet you speaking through the Son, you said to Peter and you say to us, it's not about worthiness. It's about love. I'm the God of second chances. I'm the God of a thousand chances. And if you will love me in return, I have something for you to do for me. That in your life, and even if in your death should it come to that, should your faithfulness lead you to say no to those that have the power even over your life, I have something for you to do that will bring glory to me. And when I see you again face to face, I will look into your eyes and I will say to you, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Enter in to the joy of your master. There are so many things, Lord. So much about life is so petty. But you call us to greater things. Help us to walk in those greater things, those greater virtues, love, faithfulness, sacrifice, self-denial, faithfulness to you, even like we sing, that I'm going to love you with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength. 
Oh God, don't let's let that be a song that we sing and walk away from, but a description of our lives, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.